0: The Christmas story uh, didn't really begin when we normally think of the Christmas story beginning. The the Christmas story actually began a long time before that. In fact, if we want to get technical, uh, which is my tendency, uh, the Christmas story began before there was a beginning. You see, before God created the earth, before before the galaxies were spread out across the universe, before God had spoken anything into existence at all, there was a determination made in heaven, a determination that, that means everything to you and me. The Bible says it like this. It says that before God created the world, he chose us in Christ, Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That means that God knew us before he ever even created. He he knew that when he created that that you would come into existence and that I would come into existence. And he knew that we would need a savior because of the choices we would make. And and so he determined at that point to, to make a plan that would do everything necessary to meet our need, which would require his son to come into the world and die on the cross as a substitute for our sins. And even that dying from God's perspective was settled before he ever created anything. In fact, the book of Revelation talks about Jesus, describes him as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, once God then spoke everything into existence, he creates the world. He sets in motion this plan And that, you know, it was gonna include Jesus coming and being born on earth like we're celebrating now, Christmas time, and then living this life as a human being and yet God, holy God, as a human being, living a perfect and sinless life, dying eventually as our substitute on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins. But once he spoke the world into existence and set the plan in motion, there became a certain inevitability about its accomplishment. Now, we don't want to think of this inevitability as sort of like a mechanized world, you know, like a machine. Everything's just running and and everything's predetermined and, and that's just the way it goes. It's not like that. In fact, it's pretty amazing. God is revealed in the Bible of having this foreknowledge. Somehow he knows He knows everything about us. He knows the choices that we will make. He knows how we'll respond to the circumstances of our life. He knows all of these things. And so when he sets his plan into motion, he's already taken all of those things into consideration. And the Bible tells us that he intervened in history from time to time to keep accomplishing his plan. And he intervened in the hearts of people throughout the ages. And so his plan will come to pass. Now, God revealed the big picture stuff about his plan coming to pass in the Bible. And we call this foretelling of future events in God's plan, we call it prophecy. And a lot of that prophecy has already been fulfilled. In fact, there are 14, at least 14 prophecies in the Bible fulfilled in the Christmas story. Okay? Uh, maybe more. In fact, let's just take a quick look at this. It said that Jesus would be a descendant of Abraham, that he would be uh, a descendant of Isaac and of Jacob, that he would be of the tribe of Judah, that he would also be a descendant of David in in the house of of David. He would be born in Bethlehem miraculously of a virgin, that his lineage would be traced through his mother and that kings would bring gifts to him. It also told us that uh, there would be weeping by parents who lost their children because the enemy tried to stop the plan of God and killed babies two years and under. And so they told us that that would happen and that, that Jesus and his family would have to flee to Egypt for safety and that he would be called the Son of God and also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of these things prophesied hundreds, even thousands of years before they came to pass. Now, if Anything besides the resurrection could make us believe that there is indeed a God and that Jesus is his son. Fulfill prophecies like this ought to do it. In fact, let's just take a few minutes here and think about prophecies. Uh, There are people, uh, scientists, who study probability, okay? When you're studying probability, you're, you're saying, well, what are the chances that a certain event or a certain set of events Could happen by accident, by chance, and we say, "Well, it's one out of this and one out of that." Okay. Now we all know if you, if you, the best way we probably understand probability is is what are your odds of winning the lottery? Not very good, right? And sometimes you still hope, right? But we understand that's not very good. But anyway, so they they study these things, and there was a a professor uh, Peter Stoner in. uh, from a college out in Santa Barbara, California in the 1960s who decided to do a probability study regarding the prophecies of the Bible about Jesus Christ. And so he engaged in this study, and, and he, he included 600 of his students working on this in his study, and, and they were studying things like, you know, what, what's the chances, what's the probability that you could predict the birth of a specific individual in a specific city 700 years before it happened? Well, by the way, that's exactly what the prophet Micah did. He predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea some 700 years before it happened. So they began uh, doing this, and then they found their results, and then they they kind of tried to even be more conservative. They pulled those things back, and then they presented it to a group of scholars who looked at it and evaluated it. and, And they decided they only looked at eight prophecies, just eight key prophecies about Jesus. And here's what they found out. Here's what they concluded mathematically. That the the chances of these eight prophecies being fulfilled over thousands of years was one in 10 to the 17th power. Now, for those of you who didn't like math, that might be just, I have no idea what you're talking about. But it's one out out of this, one with 17 zeros behind it. That's... 100 quadrillion, quadrillion being the number after trillion, okay? Now, uh, that's, that's one chance out of 100 quadrillion. Now, if you try to think how this might be, I did some research and went to the Population Research Bureau and, and looked at their statistics, and, and they conclude that they think that the number of people who have ever lived in the world since the beginning of time, about 100 billion. And I think that number is actually high because they, they started well before the Bible says and they didn't include things like the flood. But so let's say, let's just go with their number. A hundred billion people are all who have ever lived. The odds are one out of 100 quadrillion. Well, 100 quadrillion is 100,000 times more than all the people who have ever lived. What are the odds? Mathematicians would tell you that's a zero probability. Let me explain it to you one more way. This is the way that the, uh, the professor who did this study explained it. He said if we took silver dollars, got a 100 quadrillion silver dollars and got them all together, that you could cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. That's, that's how many this is, okay? And he said let's say that we just marked one of those silver dollars and threw it out there and then mixed everything up. And then you blindfold a person and send them out and say, just walked you want." but eventually you gotta pick up one. What are the odds that that person is gonna pick up the one that's marked? It's not even possible. I mean, theoretically it's possible. But mathematicians tell you that probability is zero. You see, when God sets out to do something, He's going to do it, isn't he? And when he tells us he's going to do it, guess what? He is going to do it. All right? And he's not limited. He's able to do it. It's not a problem for God to pick the one out. And so he gave us all these prophecies. And by the way, there weren't just eight prophecies of Christ that were fulfilled Bible scholars have some different numbers depending on how you categorize the prophecies, but we're talking over 300 to over 400 prophecies fulfilled, not just eight. God's an amazing God, isn't he? These things did not happen by accident. They are all part of that plan that God set in motion before he ever created the world. Well, so what does that mean to you and me here tonight? What's it, you know, what's it mean to us? Well, here's, here's what it means. It means this, that we can confidently trust God because he can and will do everything he's promised. We, he, he will. And we can trust him confidently because of this. You see, the things that I mean, God already knows everything that's going to happen in our lives, he knows Uh, where we're going to be, when we're going to be there. He knows our relationships. He knows the struggles we're going to face or are facing and have faced. He knows the victories that we're going to celebrate. He knows all of that. And he is at work in our lives in all of those things. This means that when the Bible says, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You know, your past is not a problem for God. Your present is not a problem for God. What's going to happen in the future is not a problem for God. He is going to be faithful to do everything that he's promised in your life. We can confidently trust him because he can and will do everything he's promised. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, uh, the Apostle Paul talking about the role that God plays in our lives and helping us to become who he wants us to be, says this. He says that God is faithful who also will do it. So what needs to happen in your life for you to be where God wants you to be? What needs to happen in your life for you to experience what God wants you to experience? God is faithful. He will do it. We can confidently trust God because He can and will do everything He's promised. And then the one that that we're much more familiar with, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it tells us that God works all things together for good to those who love Him. God, that nothing happens in the world, nothing happens in our lives that God cannot take and use for His good purposes in our lives. So there's nothing that you're facing here tonight, nothing that's going to happen in your life going forward, that when you're yielded to God, that he cannot take that and turn it to something good, something positive, something worthwhile. As as one preacher said, God will never waste a hurt. We can confidently trust God because he's able, he can, And he will do everything he's promised. And and this is true with respect to our salvation, our eternal destiny. The Bible's very clear that if we will humbly acknowledge before God that we have sinned, that we have violated his commands, and and acknowledge that our sins have separated us from God and and that there's nothing we can do to fix it. We, We aren't able to fix it. And then by faith choose to believe that Jesus was the son of God who died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And and by faith receive Christ as savior. God makes these promises. He says when we do that, he says he forgives every sin. Every sin in your entire life until the day you die. Is that good news? That is really good news. And he says that when your life does come to an end, and we have no guarantee, I mean, I hope all of you make it home tonight, but we have no guarantees of that. That when your life ends, when you receive Christ, when your life ends, you automatically go into the presence of God and eternity in heaven, as opposed to facing judgment for your sin. And then God has promised to actually come into our lives when we receive Christ as Savior, to come in and to give us new life deep down inside and begin working and changing our lives for better from the inside out. All these things he's promised, all these things he can do. And when you consider that he can give all of these prophecies, 300 to 400 prophecies, and make them all come to pass exactly the way he said they would, how powerful is he? And how faithful is he? You know, tonight, if you've never made that decision once and for all, once in a lifetime decision to receive Christ as Savior, you can do that. I'd encourage you just right now in your own heart to say, oh God, that's me. I have been the sinner. I I am separated from you. I do believe Jesus died for me and right now I'm going to receive Christ as Savior. You can say it in your heart to him. Say it in your heart and mind. He knows what's going on in there. But So we have these amazing promises and because we can confidently trust in God. He can do all of these things. He will do all of these things. And so as as we celebrate Christmas tonight and tomorrow and maybe for the next few days, take hope. You have reason to hope for your future and what God is going to do and where your eternal destiny is. You have hope because of who God is, what he's like, what he's able to do, what he's promised to do. Father, we come to you and thank you for these truths that you are a God who knows everything. Nothing escapes you. You know us inside out. You know what's coming into our lives and what's already happened. And and you work and, and you love us. You love us just the way we are. And you love us way too much to let us stay the way we are. We're so grateful for this. We we praise you because you are so powerful. You can bring to pass everything that you choose to do. And so all these promises that you've made, you can make them happen. And we thank you for your character because not only can you, you will. So fill our hearts with hope tonight as we celebrate your son's birth. Remind us that in this birth that you fulfill prophecies that just show that you are a majestic, glorious God worth knowing, and able to be trusted. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.